Welcome to another episode of Inside the Nest. We have a full crew on slate here today with an addition of someone else. We will hint at who that is here on the other side. We also talked to Garland Binyard, the standout linebacker from the Kennesaw State Owls last week. Coming up on the other side of the break, we have our Take 5, a bold prediction coming from each one of us. Coming up on Inside the Nest. Welcome back to Inside the Nest. Guys, a full crew. Have an extra addition to the crew. Caleb O'Neill, welcome to the podcast. First podcast you're on. How's it feel, my man? Feels good. It's it's weird being in a different setting when it comes to Kennesaw State football, but I'm honored and very excited to be talking about it and be hanging out with y'all. Well, we also have... Our acquisition back. Nolan Alexander is officially back. Also, Barkley Miller, Bryce Gobert, Brandon Sutton. All right, guys, we'll get into our take five. Our bold predictions coming into this season after camp. We are just a few days away from the first game at Samford. Nolan, let's start it off. Well, hey, Jordan, I appreciate it. And great job captaining inside the nest during the preseason. It was fun to listen to you guys talk about the Owls and interview the student-athletes and coaches. And I wish y'all could see Caleb right now because he's got his hair grown out. And apparently, he's growing it out for a wedding. Caleb O'Neill, outside of Kennesaw State football, is a changed man these days. No, it's, it's not my wedding. I'm, I'm a uh, addition to a wedding to add a little pizzazz. You're, you're a nice compliment to the wedding. We're going to try to be. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I I guess I'm up first for my bold prediction for this year. And I've thought a little bit about this. My bold prediction is that Kennesaw State will lead the A-Sun in all-conference honorees, in all-American honorees, will win the A-Sun, and will go the furthest it's ever been in the FCS playoffs. That's my prediction for this year. All right. I like it. Also, I mean, I kind of jumped into it maybe a little too quick. Nolan, fatherhood. How how has that been so far? I mean, how's that going? I have no bold predictions, (laughs) except there will be no sleep and there will be lots of messy diapers. That's it. That's all I can tell you. My brain is mush. I don't know what kind of call Thursday is going to be. I'm looking forward to it with you guys. It's going to be a blast. No, nah, she's a blessing. Um, I'm really thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for her health, our daughter's health. I'm thankful for you guys for doing an awesome job on Inside the Nest while I was out. But, uh, man, it's something. It's something different. If you all know how to like send me some sleep via Cash App or Venmo, please do. Yeah, man. Um, congratulations again on that. I mean, I know it is, I'm sure, a bunch of sleepless nights. Uh, but my, whenever I hear my parents and other parents talk about kids, they say it's the biggest blessing you could possibly have in your life. And I know that's just a huge step for you guys. So, man, I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. I know that's awesome. Uh, and wish I could cash up you some sleep, but I don't have much anyway on my, myself. I ain't got any kids yet. So, uh i can't help you out on that department you gotta hit set up for that one bold prediction wise though um you definitely had some good ones 
you took a lot. But I mean, honestly, though, is Kennesaw State leading the A Sun in All Americans honor? Is that bold? I mean, I think that's almost an expectation at this point, coming off of a big, big South Conference victory. The only one in the A Sun who came, who comes in this year, winning their conference year before. A lot of guys back. Um, I like going the furthest in the playoffs in Kennesaw history. That's going to be, you know, a, a good one to come upon. But my bold prediction, I mean, it, we, we started off, it's the electric factor here at Kennesaw State. This might be the year that Kennesaw State pulls it off and wins the Natty, man. I mean, you got you got Xavier Shepard, who's just a, a beast. You have enough returners on defense, most importantly, that defensive line. The DB crew has grown so much. And then the way that Coach Chestnut talked about the offensive line, the offense last year, gave me chills, man. Um, obviously, this is way too early, very bold. But I don't think that Natty Champs is uh, out of the realm of the possibilities for this team. Hey, I like the way you're talking right now, Barclay. And, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head from when we talked to Coach Chestnut last week. The way he was talking about the offense had me ecstatic. I was ready to go out there and suit up myself. Probably would have threw my back out, but I would have given a good one, one or two plays. But, yeah, I think you guys are, like, leaning towards the right ideas going into this year because the sky's the limit. We've seen the, what we have out of this team. It, we can do anything we want to. But one thing I, I say we're going to start, we're going to see a lot more of this year is with the return of uh, – uh, Isaac, uh, all the slot backs we have, and Keem Farrow, Ian Cousins, with all these guys, I, I, I feel like this year, even though we've started to see the, the us pulling out of the bag more and more of the outright offense, as Barkley likes to coin it, I, I think we're going to see a return to the ground this year. And, and not just a return, but a heavy return, heavy hitting, a lot of explosive plays on the ground to the outside. And I just think we're, Coach Justin's going to get back to what we've seen a lot in the past in our first few years. And I just think it's really really cool that they get to start this year a way that we didn't really like to start it a few years back against Sanford in Cyber Stadium. You know, son, I like where you're going with that. I really like where you're going with that. I mean, if you look at the schedule right now, uh, the first two weeks aren't easy games. You go Sanford, then straight up to Cincinnati the week after. My bold prediction is you go to Sanford, you beat Sanford, you go to Cincinnati, you beat Cincinnati and Nippert, and then you go undefeated. And I'm with Barkley here. I think we're winning the Natty this year. I don't see why there's a reason not. We're ranked number six in the preseason coaches poll. There's a lot of uh, new media around this team. It's gaining a lot of hype that it really hasn't had in years past. And I'm excited to see this team. I really don't think that the national championship is a far-fetched bold prediction um, for this season. And I, obviously, I'm on board with that because I think if you don't think you can win the Natty every year, why play the game, you know? But my bold prediction is going to be a little more fine-tuned than just a broad Natty situation. I think that we're going to have two returners, two separate guys, return kicks for touchdowns this year. And – I think they're going to get a first round buy in the FCS playoffs at the end of the season. For the Who first. are your two guys that are going to return it for a touchdown, Caleb? Well, you know, I always got to back my boy Isaac Foster and our boy uh, Garland's brother, Gabe, Gabriel Binyard, because they've both done it. We've seen it. 
So with experience, age, practice, preparation, I don't see why we can't see both of them do it again. I like that, Caleb. And I just want to follow up with how you started your answer with the old Herm Edwards. We play to win the game. Hey, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, if I try, I look at it as a football player mind and don't read your press clippings, but if you're not out there to be the best, don't step on the field. Caleb, you can read the press clippings now because you're on the other side of this. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a whole different game now. I can talk about it. Woo, we're number six in the nation, baby. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> well, man, I, I wish uh, I, I would have went first because you guys uh, went, went pretty bold there. Um, I'm going to go kind of on Sut's point about going back to the ground game. Last year in the air, it was, Caleb, you know all about it. It was one of the best years, the best year, actually, Kennesaw State has been able to have putting the ball in the air. But I think, and this is a finite, this is an exact number here, not just a broad statement. I think the trio of Nikeem Farrell, Mike Mike, and Isaac Foster are going to combine for over 1,600 yards this year and at least 15 touchdowns. I think that's a reasonable goal. And again, I don't really know who the number one back is at this point. It feels like it could be any one of these guys. All of them showed potential last year. This is going to be the exact running attack that we've seen in years past. The, the passing is what everyone loves. You're going to see Xavier Hill again. Trust me, he's going to be a factor on this team. I think those three backs are going to be what carries Kennesaw State to the FCS playoffs like you guys are talking about. I really like that, Jordan. And for your guys' sake, just here on the podcast, Jordan and Bryce, y'all have seen a quarter of Isaac Foster at his best. Yeah. And that was the first quarter at Georgia Tech last year, and he was darn good in that one quarter. And that feel like last year was really the only time he was healthy. He probably wasn't even 100% in that game, to be honest. But seeing what Isaac did when he started out, like Caleb said, as a freshman, he returned to kickoff for a touchdown – and then his sophomore season in 2019, he was averaging like 15, 16 yards a carry. Getting that type of Isaac Foster back, oh boy, combined with the guys that you just said, plus more Gabriel Binyard, plus some of these younger guys that have come along their way, that slot room is deep. I like that prediction, JG. Jordan, I got a question for you kind of going along with that. Would you fit X kind of into a category, maybe push it over 2,000 and maybe 20 touchdowns with X rushing? Yeah, I would, but if you if you throw X in there, I think you'd go over 2,000. I, I think you could probably go next to 20, 23, 24. Uh, I mean, if you're throwing X in there, I mean, he's probably going to lead the team in rushing again. Obviously, touchdowns, I mean, you're going to throw it well into the 40s with that. So, yeah, you throw X in there, I mean, that's going to add significant value to that bet for sure. I got a nugget for you, and this comes via uh, Michael Pitts from the Kennesaw State Communications Department. KSU is the only FCS team to have four quarterbacks post fall season, so a full fall season, of at least 850 rushing yards and 1,000 passing yards since 2015. So if you throw X in there, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's, he led the FCS with 23 rushing touchdowns. You could put that number at 35 maybe. He also had KSU as one of only three D1 teams to have that honor of 850 rushing and 1,000 passing, joining Navy and Louisville. Count Lamar that's, Jackson for three. I was going to say about Lamar that. Jackson. Yeah. That's, that's just crazy stats. If you look what the Owls are doing as an FCS team and you're comparing them, now you're getting into FBS. 
Xavier Shepard is one of those players, I think, that this season, he had a breakout year last year. I think he's going to have an even bigger breakout year this year. I mean, what we saw last year of him was just kind of, I feel like, a shadow of what he has the ability to do. And I think we, whenever we talked to him the first week on the podcast, Barkley, I know we mentioned it, he just seemed a lot more relaxed. He seemed like a whole new kind of player. And I'm excited to see how he's able to translate that new kind of relaxed Xavier Shepard onto the field. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's definitely an intense guy, just kind of being around it, which is makes him a successful quarterback. I feel like most of them are. But something that has separated him this year so far, in my opinion, is he's let his hair down a little bit, man. He definitely showed us more personality than we've ever seen out of him before. He had a little bit of swagger with him, which was something that last year, I don't want to say is missing because he played with swagger, but he didn't really walk around with it, you know. So just kind of having that on him, I think, is really just going to elevate his game. And something else I want to bring up with my national championship predictions, let's not forget in this triple option offense, these quarterbacks, these guys, period, but these quarterbacks in particular get banged up. We have a stud muffin of a backup in Jonathan Murphy. If for whatever reason, you know, Shep gets a little banged up, he's got to go out, you know, if he plays. I mean, Merce is dangerous as can be. We thought that he was going to be the dude last year and he's back so th this offense is going to be something special and I, I can't wait to watch him and to go off that Barkley I mean think about the playoff game versus ETSU last year X went down with injury and Murph came in and had an absolutely phenomenal game so it, that it's a great point you just made lots of excitement lots of depth coming up here on inside the nest we will be joined by linebacker Garland Binyard Following that, Jordan Griffith gives us a look around the brand new ASUN football conference, and then we'll dive into a preview of Kennesaw State against Samford in the season opener and wrap it up, as always, with a little fact or fiction. Coming up next on ITN. Meet the Owls up close and personal and engage with Owl Nation. Show your support for the black and gold and stay up to date on all of our social media platforms. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter and Instagram at KennesawSTFB to keep up with news and score. To stay up to date on all things KSU Athletic, follow us on Twitter at KSU Owl Nation, as well as following us on our Instagram and liking our Facebook page at Kennesaw State Owls. Welcome back in. We are set for Kennesaw State and Sanford, and we're joined by the defending Big South Defensive Freshman of the Year. Of course, he's in a new conference now. It's Garland Binyard. And Garland, the first question I want to lead off with is one that I think a lot of people have been curious about. In what ways are you similar and what ways are you different than your twin brother on the offensive side, Gabriel? <sighs> We we we're we're alike most of the part. Uh we're on the offensive side of the ball. We can tell what like what's coming towards each other. So defensive side, when he knows the play's coming, like he tells me when it's coming. So it it betters me to be a pair. So yeah, it's it's pretty fun. How about but, off the field personality wise? How are y'all similar and different? Off the field? Uh I'll say Similar, I say we stay in our rooms a lot. Like we really don't hang out that much, to be honest. But really, it's really the same. Yes, sir. 
I'm kind of curious, how does it feel? Like, how do you feel prepared wise going into this season now that you had a true real off season of spring camp, spring practice, summer conditioning, and you got like the full year to prepare rather than like show up and then everything's just going crazy. I feel way better than last year. Cause for me, I really didn't know what to expect coming to like as a, as a freshman, but at the same time I knew what to expect. Cause last year, uh, I didn't know I was gonna get playing time, but Coach V always told me, be ready when your numbers call. So when I waited to my numbers call, the NCAT game, I did what I had to do, did that show out. For the next five five, five last games, uh, I started those last games. And now uh, this year, it prepared me a lot. Uh, you know, coming out, having to help the uh, young guys you know, uh, come out and prepare too, it really helps me. It makes me practice more efficiently. efficiently. Garland, what's up, man? Um, so looking back on last year, right, you had a really big standout year. Obviously, you were the Big South freshman defensive player of the year. Um, so what to you was a big defining moment in your freshman year, and how do you plan on building off of that for this year? I'd say during the season uh, recent, most recently, uh, it was really the NCAT game that really set the tone for me. I was, I was fired up after that game. Uh, I actually wanted to do an interview after that game, but I couldn't because I was a freshman. I was I was so fired up, uh, and it, it really helped me too. Like be humble, and like you never know when you're normally gonna be called. So I I had the opportunity. I took advantage of it, and this year uh, it's get, it gave me another opportunity too to set a tone and make a name for myself in the A sign. So that's what I'm really here to do. Marlon, once again, echoing Barkley's sentiment there, having an incredible freshman year, Big South freshman of the year defensively. How is it for you to continue to find that hunger to get better? A lot of players after a great freshman season, sometimes they, they end up flattening out. But for you, what's it going to be to carry that hunger into the next season? It's going to be the same thing. You know, Kennesaw, basically the same thing you talk about, they, they harp on is eat. And I want to have that eat mentality coming through freshman year and coming through my sophomore year and either whether it's junior and finished off my senior year. So, you know, last year I had a big, a big, a big uh, impact uh, as a freshman and coming to my sophomore year, I'm going to have an even better impact uh, coming to my sophomore year. Garland Barkley just mentioned uh, your big award. You won this last season conference defensive freshman of the year. What goals do you have set for yourself after having such a successful freshman season? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I'll say uh, I want to be all uh, A-Sun Conference. Uh, I want to be All-American. I want to uh, also be the leading top tackler, the linebacker in a uh, conference. Uh, that's probably it. So I really have some pretty big goes to complete this year all right man so just one really quick question for me just coming off of your uh, freshman campaign coming into this year just being able to look back on how things were and uh, how everything played out even though you're able to have success what things are you able to look for this year and just further prepare for yourself to help prepare your body to go into the season so that you're more ready or more prepared to go this year uh i say uh being more connected to the game uh watching watching more film being consistent with the guys, you know, 
whether it's uh, getting linebackers together, watching watching more film, uh, communicating is really a big deal on the uh, on the defense side of the part. So you know whether it's just me communicating with the coaches, see if I don't like this like this or not, communicating with them is like really a big thing. Which I didn't know my freshman year because I, I really didn't communicate that that much, and they didn't like that. So I've been I've been really focusing on that during spring ball and fall camp communicating. So it's really a major thing that goes on with me. Garland, lastly, what's the goal for the number of times we want to see turnover plank brought out Thursday against Sanford? Well, I said about – well, our turnover goals are three a game, but I'll say five. I'd love to see turnover plank five times. Garland, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck against the Bulldogs. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we're making banking a fifth third better. Cappuccino for Dave? Yep. Ah, oh, I overdrafted? Now this coffee is $43. That's steep, even for us. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we've got your back, which is why we give you extra time to avoid an overdraft. That's way better. This is banking a fifth third better. Fifth Third Extra Time keeps you longer. Any time before midnight ET on the business day after your account is overdrawn to make a deposit that brings your available balance to at least $0. Visit 53.com for additional details. Fifth Third Bank and a member FDIC. Welcome back into Inside the Nest. Jordan Griffith, the uh, – what's Barkley calling you? The double, double agent. agent? <laughs> double agent. Yeah. yeah. A-Sun president, double agent, whatever you want. It all works. Uh, Tell yeah, us I'm what's sure. going on in the A-Sun. This is a big weekend for A-Sun football. Yes, it was. Getting back pretty late Saturday after Jacksonville State in the Crampton Bowl, absolutely dismantling Stephen F. Austin. It was an incredible environment. And uh, Jacksonville State, guys, they look like the real deal. 42 to 17 victory. Now, the game was called off in the fourth quarter, so you didn't get the, the full slate of the game that you're, that you're used to. But Jacksonville State was able to run the ball nearly 300 yards on the ground. Zion Webb with four touchdowns, one passing, three rushing. This is a team that is looking like they are dangerous. And this A-Sun, guys, it's, it's looking fun right now. Jacksonville State beating a top-10 team already. Austin P was also in action with Western Kentucky. They fell, but that offense looks lethal too. So the ace sun early on week zero, man, it's looking sharp. Yeah, I was watching that Austin P game for a good bit. And after I think the first quarter and a half, I sent this text to a couple of members of the communication staff. And I thought, look, this is a small sample size, but they seem like a better Gardner Webb. Like they, I see some similarities to Gardner Webb. They seem like a better Gardner Webb. And really, if yeah. it wasn't for their quarterback making a misread on a quick pass that was an easy pick six for Western Kentucky, that's a because the what they won by 11. So you put seven yeah. off the board. Who knows that maybe they go down, kick a field goal, score a touchdown, completely different outcome. Austin P, that's going to be a good football team. And yeah, Jacksonville State, they were slow to start out, but uh, which you might expect under a new coaching staff. But yeah, they look strong. And when you talk about Austin P, yeah, that was a great, a great point. Uh, better Gardner Webb. That's like exactly what they are. Their offense is one of the best. It's going to be one of the best in the A Sun, even though the A Sun has some of the best FCS offenses in the nation. Uh, when you look at Austin P, Dre McCray, wide receiver, six receptions, 90 yards, two touchdowns. This is going to be the hardest guard in the entire A Sun. This guy is the real deal. So, Kennesaw State, they're certainly going to have to keep those guys on film. Austin P. Jacksonville State, week one, was 
definitely impressed with both of those teams. Cannot wait to see everyone in action this Saturday. Yeah, um, you guys definitely went over kind of everything there. Going back to Jacksonville State, that this weekend made me so excited for October 1st. Going to their new stadium, which I've gotten to see in person already, which is pretty impressive. Uh, they've added on to it. It's closed in. It, it looks great. Um, and just kind of the buzz around that football team, they definitely looked like the real deal. Now, I know we're, you know, that was week zero, way too early predictions here and stuff. That didn't look like the same Stephen F. as last year either, though, to be fair. Now, they whooped up on him. I mean, got after him like they should have. But definitely Stephen F. didn't look like that top 10 Stephen F. from last year to me. Um, excited to see a bigger sample size from Jacksonville State. I'm excited to see KSU kick off against Sanford to see what we're actually working with this year as well. Uh, Austin P. Better Gardner Webb. I mean, they look like them. They have the same colors. They run the same offense. I mean, that's pretty accurate right there. The fact that they were able to hang in there with the Hilltoppers, who are no slouch. I mean, no slouch FBS team was pretty impressive to me. Uh, curious to see kind of how they roll throughout the year because it's easy to get pumped up for that first week. You know, Western Kentucky didn't have a lot of film on them. You know, them being an FCS team, we know, we always know how that goes. And you're right, Nolan, that pick six that Western Kentucky had, in my opinion, swayed the momentum of the game, too, to make it easier for them to finish them off by 11. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, this past week, sample size from week zero made me so excited. Football was finally back. College football was finally back. And, man, this season's going to be fun. And this ASUN, I think, is going to be very competitive from what we saw so far. The last point I'll make before I hand it back to you guys, also the importance of that win for Kennesaw State and the entire conference. Jacksonville State beating SFA, they're ranked top 10. Not sure where SFA is going to end up, but they were the front runners to win the WAC that are postseason eligible. Sam Houston State's not going to be able to get into the postseason, neither is Jacksonville State for the FCS. So being able to knock them off week zero, that is huge. That's a great starting point for the entire conference. Jordan, you're exactly right. And this is a debate for... Uh, when we get to Jack State Week and when we start ASUN Conference play about a month or so from now, is how Jack State is viewed every single week. Is that an FCS win? Is that an FBS win or loss? However you go about it because of the number of scholarship increases that they've had. And then the factor that just came out a few days ago of how the AQ will be determined between the ASUN and the WAC Alliance. Jordan, you're going to give us all the details and insight on that. Again, we'll talk about that later on, but th there's a lot more storylines this year. This is why I'm really excited for this year for football. Like you said, Barkley, there's a lot more intrigue. There's a lot more depth within the new ASUN conference. So let's go ahead and switch it over. We're going to switch up how we talk about the opponent. Each week here on Inside the Nest, we're joined by Caleb O'Neill, Barkley Miller, Brandon Sutton, Bryce Gobert, and Jordan Griffith. I'm Nolan Alexander. And the opponent this week is the Sanford Bulldogs. So the way this is going to go down is we're going to hop around here, and each person will captain a different segment here of the opponent. So we'll start out with our opponent's history. Bryce, the young one, you're enrolling in history class starting today. What do you have? I'm ready for it. I Listen, I'm signed up for a history class, and I think it's going to be one of the best history classes I ever take. We're going to dive in right now to see this history with Sanford. And if you look at the record, it's only the third time, four, excuse me, fourth time that these two teams have played. Barkley and Sut were on the team the first time they played away in Birmingham 
It was a 23-28 to loss for Kennesaw State. Barkley, it's still, as you've mentioned it and Sut mentioned it many times before, it's left a sour taste in y'all's mouth. But the last two games that we have played against Samford have been wins. They have both been in Kennesaw, however. So going into this game, Kennesaw State will have a two-game win streak against the Samford Bulldogs and going to be looking to kind of find a way to, I want to say, get back what should have happened in 2017. Barkley, you can speak on it a little more, and Sut, you can as well. You played in that game. For people who may not have listened um, to the first couple episodes, what was that game like, and what did it mean to y'all to maybe not come out with that result? So for me, um, that game was really important to me, and it will always stick with me. That was the first last game of my football career. Uh, that was my senior year, uh, 2017 football season. Went to Sanford. Suck can attest this. Man, we started hot. They couldn't do anything on offense. They had Duck Hodges at quarterback. They had some monster receivers. They were supposed to wipe the floor with us. We we went into that season with zero expectations. That was before we had ever made the playoffs. We had played Charleston Southern for the conference championship the year before at Charleston Southern and uh, lost by 14. But really, everybody said that that was a fluke. They said that we shouldn't have been in that game either. So had no expectations. And to handle Samford like we did before the rain delay, to me, was just so impressive. I mean, our defense held them. They, they couldn't. It, it was like they couldn't move the ball. They scored on a few broken screen passes. But besides that, and our offense was rolling, man. CB3 was having a day. Sump had some pretty crazy catches. It If the rain delay didn't happen, they weren't able to go back in there and watch film. I think that they would have never figured the offense out because they had no clue what to do. They were yelling and fighting on the sidelines. And, from the, and for them to make the adjustment on offense – I mean, they were having trouble blocking what they were seeing from us. We we were in a different defense. We went with a three-man front uh, at an extra DB, and we gave them a lot of different looks, man. We were sending linebackers. We were bringing weak side corners. I expect to see the same thing from Coach V this year, and that <laughs> they would have been a different game, and I, I will believe that until the day I die. And Barkley's exactly right. That entire first half of that game can be described by one word, and that's momentum. We were in the game. We were. We had the lead. We were. Everything was rolling in our favor up until we hit the uh, weather delay break. And then after that, every coming out of that halftime, everything was just the entire game changed differently. And from once that game was actually over, it just left such a bad taste in our mouth as a team. As we were able to talk to with uh, Coach Chestnut about earlier, uh, I mean last week, it, it just left such a bad taste in our mouth. And that's one of the things that actually I felt like actually helped propel us to the, um, the the turn that season took to where we were started. We were winning every game. We were winning every week. Uh, and we were expecting that because after, after that Sam, uh, after that Sanford game, it was just, it was so surreal. Everything was going in our favor. And yet we allowed just outside factors to take the win away from us. And we came together as a team after that and just said, we can never allow something like that to happen again. And I feel like that's helped us and helped propel us to continue to keep this winning culture going here at Kennesaw State. And Caleb, I just want to ask you something real quick. You know, being the most recent graduate of this Kennesaw State team, you could say, when you know you have a series history like this with a team like Sanford, the last time you were in their stadium, it didn't go so well. What's it like as a player 
going back and trying to get that win that, you know, maybe a previous team like Barkley and Sud feel like they deserve? Well, as a player, you're going to hear about it all week. Or since it's the first game, you're going to hear about it for two to three weeks leading up to it. Um, last time we were there, this and this happened, and we had guys not doing this, and we got beat. And we, do you want to feel like that again? Do you want to start your season like that off again? Because I can already, I can already hear Coach Bo saying it in my head right now. It's a Thursday night. The weather's been iffy for the last two weeks. Like it's, it's coming. They're already getting it, you know. And he, he spaces that out, but it's coming. And as a player. And there's still some guys on that team that were around when that happened. They're going to like, you're going to feel that and you're going to know that. And it's going to, it's going to build that energy that coach Bo and coach Chesnut talk about all the time that like internal mental energy to prepare you to prepare during the week. And then on Thursday, go out there and get after it. Well, the owls are going to use that preparation to try and get their third consecutive win against the Stanford Bulldogs. Sud, I'll turn it over to you to give you uh, to give us and the listeners a little bit of a preview on how the KSU offense looks this year. Well, thanks, Bryce. Coming into this season, we have so many high, uh, high expectations for this offense. We've already spoken to the uh, OC and office coordinator, uh, Grant Chestnut, and he's given us a little tidbit into things. But just opening things up, especially going this week against Sanford, it's going to be a lot of heavy work between the guys up front, uh, mostly starting with uh, Terrell Paxton, Zion Katina, and Matt Olson. They were three guys that are uh, – they're older guys. They're going to be they're going to be leaders going into this game because Sanford has a very large and old and um, veteran group of defensive linemen coming into this week's game. So these boys are going to have to come together and really work very hard to give uh, Shepard, Cousins, Farrow, uh, and Foster all the time and space they need back there in the backfield this week. But also coming into this game, we know that it's a Sanford team that we've seen before. They're going to know some of the things that we're going to try to throw at them. So I can expect that Coach Chestnut's going to come in with a few new wrinkles this week, leading us back towards some of that probably hour-rate offense that we'd like to see so much. Um, mostly coming into this game is going to be a really big stepping stone for Xavier Shepard coming in for just his second opportunity to come in leading this offense and just to prove that not only is he comfortable in the position, but he, that team, uh, that Coach Chestnut and Coach Bowen and all of them made the right decisions, selected him as the leader of this team. Yeah, I think one thing that's going to be intriguing about this matchup, Brandon, is what type of defense Kennesaw State will see from the Sanford Bulldogs. They had a lot of changes defensively from the defensive coaching staff from last year. Uh, our new defensive ends coach, Coach Cotton, came over from Sanford, but there's just one returning position coach. Their D coordinator comes over from East Mississippi Community College. Very familiar with them if you watched Last Chance U on Netflix, going back to those early years. But uh, it, it, there's always that variable of the unknown for exactly what Sanford's going to look like defensively. They will have a hunger defensively. Last year, they put up a lot of offensive numbers. They typically do every year, but the defense was the bugaboo. So this year, uh, they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder defensively. There is that unknown factor. And Brandon, I like how you started it out with the men up front because we're going to see some new faces up front. There's going to be some shifting of positions due to injury and guys being out. And I think it's really key up front for be able to get that push, not knowing what they're going to look like. And then, of course, y'all know this better than I do, Caleb and Brandon. You got to take care of the football, especially in that first game. Hey, Nolan, you hit it right. You hit the nail right on the head. That's going to be the number one thing going into this game is ball security, ball security, ball security. And 
also just coming into it, we we don't know a lot about this defensive staff, like you uh, mentioned. So what we like to call it in the offensive line room is we're probably going to get the kitchen sink defense this week. They're going to throw a little bit of six one, a little bit of five, a little bit of uh, stacks and spider. We don't really know going into this game because we don't know what to expect from this staff. But you know what? I can promise you that Coach Chestnut's going to have those boys working all six fronts, working any any staff, working against anything we can, just have them prepared for no matter what we're going to see this week. Brandon, didn't we see the six one where we went there last time? Uh, last time, yeah, we saw some six one and some uh, and a little bit of stack, but mostly we're just going to see a, just a lot of heavy inside blitzing, trying to stop them, try to force uh, force all of, a lot of our run game to the outside this week. Yeah, and they like to. The last time I played them, they threw some some bear front in there too, with the condensed nose and tackles. And then the dogs walked up to try to make it harder to block. So they like to, but this is the thing, it's a whole new staff. So you really don't know because some guy could have picked this up somewhere along the way. And this guy heard from him that this is going to work. And like, it's really kind of like a spider web of who knows. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And um, I mean, you guys definitely have a lot more knowledge about that than me. Uh, I play defense, but Y'all got to see a completely different set of defenses than I've ever played, except for in the spring when we were going up against you guys. But I felt like every time that I'm watching a KSU game, these defenses try to emulate what we saw out of Charleston Southern, you know, from 2015 to what, so around 2017-ish. Like you said, Caleb, that bear, that 6-1, they'll run the stack sometimes if they get you in like, you know, second and – six plus um but yeah i just feel like that's what everyone tries to emulate and that's what monmouth was so successful with in 2018-2019 uh, you're right barkley it's it's a lot about the leverage control from the defense they're trying to just put pressure on on our um on our tackles because they can control that end they have to redirect the ball somewhere else but that's what we're gonna have to make such a good point of today um going into this week is just leverage and being able to control it, uh, making sure you know where your ace blocks are coming from, where your double teams are going. Uh, for those wideouts out there, Caleb can tell you, you got to go out there and body a dude or two. You, know, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but it's, it's all about leverage and just what uh, what Shepard's going to be able to see out there. If he does see those stack techniques coming in, uh, he's going to have to take a moment, bounce a play to the out, uh, check the play to the other side or switch something to the inside. But it's going to be a lot of control from him this week. Yeah, and like you said at the beginning, you have – some veteran offensive linemen anchoring the center of the O-line. And that's, in terms of football, that's beautiful. You know, that's all you can ask for. You know, you've got, you've got some guys that have been here, seen some things and done some things, and they're out there going and balling. And then you've got Coach Chestnut, who's obviously a, a mastermind. And then you've got Coach Burks coaching up Xavier, working on their checks. Oh, this is – if they do this, we're going to check here. And whenever they, they shade here, we're checking – like – it's 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 going to be good and it's going to be fun to watch them settle in because you always get a change up front from every person that you ever play and it's it's fun it's going to be fun to watch because they've had a little extra time to prepare de like Samford has to prepare defensively but also we've had time to prepare offensively so it's going to be a it's going to be a poker match for the first couple drives I think. Looking forward to it. Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, Kennesaw State and Sanford. You can hear it on the KSU Owl Network. Make sure you download the KSU Owls app. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the football. Barkley, let's look at this defensive matchup. 
Yeah, so defensive mass matchup. This is probably one of the only times is you guys will hear me say this year. I think that the offense has a taller order dealing with the Sanford defense than this Kennesaw State defense is going to have with the Sanford offense. You look, they don't got a ton of guys, right, uh, coming back. They, they Look at their starting quarterback, Michael Ayers, impressive, coming from community college, transfer guy in. I mean, he did throw for like 8,000 yards in uh, Juco. and Juco like, quarterback of the year. Yeah, I mean, he, he like that's that's really impressive and all, but to be tested at this level with this defense, Coach for Pale's defense, it's going to be a tall order from him. And you look at like the wide receiver he's got coming back. Chandler Smith, I think, is going to be his favorite target, number zero, um, out of Marietta, Georgia, went to Walton High School. Uh, he probably has the most, you know, action out of all the wide receivers coming back. And 5'10", 186, they don't have, like, that big, tall, imposing receiver this year. They got a bunch of little fast guys, and they run that West Coast-style offense. They like to have that ball on the air. But a lot of transfers that I see on this, you know, on the Sanford offense, uh, it's – I'm pretty confident that Coach Rappel is going to take out one of those defensive linemen and throw in another DB. So we're going to see action of a few other DBs that we might not have seen this year. But this is a chance for Carrick Reese to have a game, man. Coming off the edge, he knows it's going to be a passing down almost every time. Only thing he's really got to watch out for is a screen. Travis Bell on the interior is going to have an opportunity to have a really good game too. And a guy that I think is going to stand out this year is going to, on the defensive line per se is Carlos Allen. I think he's going to have a really big year. I don't know if we're going to see it as much in this Sanford game because there are only going to be three D linemen. It's going to be a very odd, you know, scenario for it. But I'm very curious to see how these DBs step up. And I know Coach Rappel is definitely not going to be afraid to blitz and kind of put some pressure on old Michael Ayers either. Barkley, I think you bring up a great point, especially on that defensive edge with Carrick Reese seeing if he can pick up where he left off from last year when he asserted himself as a sack getter for Kennesaw State. Also excited to see on the other side, Joel Parker coming back and making an Alabama homecoming. Played uh, just up the road, not too far from Birmingham. So I'm sure he has some familiarity with some guys over on the Sanford roster. Again, he's a massive guy. He seems to gain another 20 pounds of muscle every offseason. So excited to see them with Coach Cotton, a former Sanford coach, come off the edges. Linebacker, a lot of question marks there, which I think is okay going off of last year if you want to feel a little bit better about it because who would have guessed Evan Thompson would have set the KSU single-season record going into the Reinhardt game? No one. So we've got some time to figure some things out. I'm a little hesitant when you started out saying that the KSU defense might have it easier than the KSU offense because uh, there's some new members of the secondary, and this is an air raid-esque offense that uh, produced a quarterback in the NFL recently with Welch last year. They had a receiver drafted, and I look at this roster for receivers, and maybe they're short in experience, but they got some power five transfers in there. I, I, I think it's going to be a tall task for the KSU defense too. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely great points, Nolan, and I agree. Like I said, I, that's not usually something I say, but I'm very confident in Garland Binyard. I heard nothing but good things about Mike Mincy. Uh, I'm very – I think that he's going to be a really good addition to this Kansas State defense. And in general, the hardest game of the year 
for a triple option offense is the first game. And it's because Sanford had all season to prepare for it. And you know that's what they were doing after workouts without coaches on the field. They were walking through on barrels what they're going to see. They got to watch a ton of film. So this is always traditionally the hardest game of the year for that offense. So I think that's a big part of it. Really going to be a fun matchup to watch the KSU defense against this electric Samford offense. Well, we can't forget about special teams. That's where games are won. Caleb, what's the special teams matchup intrigue you here for Thursday? So I touched on a little bit of my bold predictions. Um, we have two guys that are returning that both have some great speed, ability, skill, and a good bit of experience in the uh, special teams backfield for the return team with Isaac Foster and Gabriel Binyard. They both return touchdowns, <clears throat> return kicks for touchdowns. Isaac, veteran guy, lots of – he can help coach those guys up and teach them stuff that it takes a while to figure out. And that's got me excited to watch, watch them catch some kicks and see what can happen with it. And then you got – you got our kick, woo, our kicker, Nate, who is the 2021 20, Big South Special Teams Player of the Year, first team All Big South, and then he kicked a 46 yarder at Georgia Tech last year. So that's always good when you have a veteran guy there that you can rely on and kind of count on if if offense happens to get stalled or something. You got the Big South Special Teams Player of the Year sitting on the sideline waiting to boot one through. Also, this is a, a slightly intriguing to me. Last year against Monmouth, we had our first fake punt ever, if you remember. Ran it 26 yards right up the gut with Preston Daniels. And it was it was kind of like, hey, we do do that sometimes now, you know? And um, I kind of like that wrinkle that that's added into the special teams playbook to teams in, in six years, teams had never seen us run a fake kick before. So I, that's always interesting and fun to think about. Caleb, I got a question for you. Kind of, you, you mentioned Nathan Robertson and the fact that you know, if the offense was slow, you can maybe rely on him. And that 46 yarder versus Georgia Tech, can what, what do you think his distance is going to be this year? Has it improved in his graduate season? Um, I would expect it to. Because as, as you get older, and Barclay and Suck can tell you, as you get older, it becomes more less of, oh, my gosh, I, ha I have to do this today. I have to get – have to, have to like you're like chomping at the bit waiting to get – I have to do, get better at this and this and this. And really getting to focus on your craft and focus on the small things that really excel you in a position or – a professional football sense. Because Do you, you think he'll go above 55 on a kick this year? Um, I, I, uh, probably not because that's, that's a boot. You don't see it's many, a boot. you don't see people warm ups sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a boot. And I don't know if coach Bohannon would ever call a field goal over 55. I think he'll just go for it. You know, I mean, with, with that with that offense we run and the weapons that we have on offense, I, I think risk reward 
go for it. I mean, our defense is pretty stout anyway, so, you know, might get a stop there. But, Caleb, you make a great point. Whenever you talk about – whenever you get to Kennesaw State, I feel like all the position coaches harp, harp on, it's the small things. You need to work on the small things, and that makes you so much better of a player at the end of the day. Because whenever you get there as a freshman, you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get bigger. i got to get stronger. I, I have to do this. I have to do that. And really, it's just, you know, working on your first step as a defensive lineman, working on, you know, developing another pass counter besides just the in and out, besides just the club, besides just the ice pick. And that will make you such a better player. And the fact that Nathan has been able to do that now for three years, including a COVID season, I mean, I'm very excited to see how much better of a kicker he's going to be. And then just like you said, for the return standpoint, they're dangerous, man. Can't wait to watch those guys. And then on the flip side for Sanford, their specialists come back. Zach Williams is 13 of 15 last year in field goals for the Bulldogs. Pretty darn accurate. He had a long of 42. And then Bradley Porcelato, the punter, averaged almost 40 yards over 47 boots. They're back. But there is one position and similarity between these two teams that will have a new starter this year that you cannot overlook. And it all starts out with snapping the football. Kennesaw State replaces longtime long snapper Jacob Potter. In comes Zane McCracken, a legacy at the snapping position for KSU. So that, that's a variable. You got a new snapper out there this year. And then on the other side for Sanford, they bring on a new snapper. He's also a veteran guy, too, for the Bulldogs. And that is the graduate snapper, Alex Applefield. So, again, you have some returners back there to be able to put it through the uprights, but you got to start out with a good snap. So I have my eyes on that going into Thursday's matchup. Is there a better name matchup between those two? I was about to say, what a name. Zane McCracken. That's a football name. And right Applefield? There. I mean, and Alex Applefield. Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> a great, that's a great point, JG. But I, I think the reason that – Nobody else really brought up McCracken is because we know what his brother was like. I mean, Drew was spot on his whole time here at Kennesaw State. He, he comes from a good bloodline of long snappers, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my boy's name. He does, and you make a good point with that because it's, it's still a new experience and a new rush that first time running out there doing anything in a live game scenario when it means something. But I also – I've seen – I've seen him in practice. I've seen his brother that he's worked with. I've seen Potter working with him over there day in and day out. And I have faith in in, in Zane. I think I think that he can get at, get the job done and be darn good at it. Um, but I like the Applefield. That's that's a great name. The name the name battles. I'm still hung up on them. But but yeah. And then on. The return side for Samford, you know, they they returned what two kicks or three kicks for touchdowns last year. They have speed. They have speed. Judd Cockett, uh, nicknamed the Flying Hawaiian out of Honolulu, combining with Chandler Smith and Ty King. There's some dangerous returners for the Bulldogs. Yeah, they they averaged fifteen over a little over fifteen yards per punt return and eight over eighteen yards per kick return. So, I mean, it shows that they're, especially on punt, they, they, they can make up some silent, quiet yardage there historically with the guys they have on their team. So they're going to have to really be nized up 
and locked in on their vice tackling techniques when in when the Owls take it to Birmingham. Well, guys, a lot of fun here on Inside the Nest. Of course, it is not over. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, it's on to the scoreboard round. Would you rather and Factor Fiction? Coming up next here on ITN. Wellstar Health System helps Kennesaw State Owls stay in the game, no matter what your health goals or concerns are. Find our convenient health centers on campus. Our providers will get to know your needs and help you stay feeling your best. When you go off campus, Wellstar is there for you too. With hospitals, urgent care centers, and medical offices nearby to keep you well. Visit wellstar.org to learn more. Welcome back into Inside the Nest. One more segment for you. It's the fan favorite. Garland Binyard rejoins us because it's old Would You Rather in Fact or Fiction. So we'll turn it out to the other sophomore here on the podcast, Bryce Gobert. Yeah, thanks, Nolan. So we'll start off with a little bit of a Would You Rather. For the question I have for Would You Rather, Garland, is would you rather lose the championship game or never be able continually lose the championship game, make it there, but lose or never be able to make the playoffs. Lose a championship game. I don't, I don't lost two in high school. So I'd rather lose two and not go to the playoffs. But you won the other two times, right? I won the other two times. So that there was, you go. You have experience in both. You have experience in both. I like that. <laughs> Uh, other one, uh, we'll go with is, would you rather win your fantasy football league for one year or be guaranteed to have the first round draft pick for the next five years? The first round pick in five years. I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to go with, you know, but winning yeah. that championship, it's special, but I think that first pick, it's just too clutch to have. Garland, I got to go with you on the losing, making it to the championship and losing every time, man, because, I mean, come on, missing the playoffs, ain't no fun watching everybody else play. It stings way worse losing the championship, but got to go with that one. Um, I'm going to go against you with the other choice, though, man. I, you win the fantasy championship once, that that's, you know, that's good. They will always remember that you won. Guaranteed the first-round pick five years in a row. I mean, that's no guarantee you even ever make it to the championship, especially with fantasy football. You draft CMC, gets hurt every year. I mean, I'd have to win it, man. See, on the fantasy football one, I think that's highly debatable, Barkley. It's just one win, just for one, but that first-round pick for five years, man, that, that's potential for anything to happen. That's potential. He also for said the- that. He also said that people will remember you for winning. That's just not true. I, I've won wow. a couple of years back. It is, it's the most forgotten championship in sports history. No one cares. So I'll take, I'll take the pick for, for, for five years, yeah. I don't know, JG. Me and Sutter are pretty competitive when it's the, uh, the has-beens league. It's all <laughs> – I mean, that one's pretty competitive. So winning and that one's a big deal. You know that. I think I'd have to go with you on this one, though. I think that championship, it's just too special. I like bragging rights for sure. 
especially with when it's with your buddies, it's like, hey, you know, if somebody has like a a deal where you have to do something stupid or wear some stupid outfit or costume, like it'd be good to not be that guy, you know. And then on the championship, I'm I'm totally making it to the championship. I would, I've not made it to the playoffs quite a few times before, and it's not fun. I'd have to I'm agree with, with you, Garland. I like the way Garland thinks. The only way I'm different is if it's my pro football team, which is the Falcons, and there's times I'd rather us just know we're not going to make the playoffs and try to tank and go for a top pick than just try to squeeze in and get eight and eight or whatever, eight and nine now, and end up with like the 20th pick. And yeah, it, it, for from a fan perspective, give me there or not. That's a, that's a good point right there, Nolan. Didn't even think about that. Alrighty, so fact or fiction. The first one. The unicorn is the national animal of Ireland. The other one is that there is a Starbucks cup in every scene of the movie Fight Club. Right, what club? Fight Club, the movie Fight Club. There's a Starbucks cup in every scene of the movie Fight Club. I have to say the the first one is fishing. Okay. And I said the second one's fat. Okay. Anybody else? Owen? Uh, yeah. Here's the thing is I've been to Ireland, and I don't remember seeing any unicorns. So I <laughs> think that's false. And I think the second one's fact for that reason. Okay. Man. Um, so a Starbucks cup in every single scene. I mean, that's... That's pretty hard to believe, too. If there's anybody that's going to do the unicorn thing, I, I can see Ireland being one of it, but I think a better, if this is in fact fiction, I think a better one would have been if you would have said it was Nessie. You know, I, I, I might have believed that one a little bit more. I'm going to go with the Starbucks Cup in Fight Club, too. I have to. I mean, the, the it's other fact or fiction? Which one? The, the Starbucks cup is fact. I mean, okay. the other one is just so out there. But then again, so is the last one. So. Do we know how long Starbucks has been around? I don't. And I'm not exactly sure if they were around when Fight Club was made. It was? Man, I'll stick with it. Yeah, I'll go with Starbucks as well. Well, you guys missed a very key factor in this one. Where do leprechauns come from? Come on. Oh, no. Come on, guys. Come on. So I'm going with unicorns as a fact because I just have a sneaky suspicion. A sneaky suspicion. That's the one. Sut, so, hold on. Like, I, I get it that leprechauns and unicorns are from fantasy land, but like, when are they actually together? Hey, There's no story knows? where the leprechaun rides the unicorn that I'm aware of. The yellow brick, the yellow brick road. <laughs> oh. Ireland. You, you uh, never know, guys. These things, the, the oh, stories I mean, from look, way back when. It is, it is a, it is a pot shoot. I, I'm not hating on you for the answer. I'm telling you though, Nessie, that would have, that would have swayed me pretty hard. 
You make a really, really, really good point with the leprechaun. I, I, I really like the leprechaun point, but I'm going to have to go against you still because I've heard there's like some really crazy things added into Fight Club that you wouldn't notice unless you're like a like an actual film critic and like you actually go in there and like look for stuff like that. So I'm going to have to go with what the Starbucks is true. All right. Real so quick, before you give us the one. answer, before you give us the answer, I just, just want to update some questions that have arisen here. Starbucks opened in 1971 and Loch Ness is in Scotland. It's not in Ireland. <laughs> Don't insult my ancestry like that, Barkley. It's like the same place, man. I mean, <laughs> come on, is Seattle a state or a, or a country? I mean, come on, yeah. That's an inside joke from last year's Inside the Nest <laughs> that we buried. We're, we're not bringing that back up. Maybe it did when not. It did maybe not when air. That athlete graduates. <laughs> did not air. No. All right, Bryce. All right. Let us know. I know Garland. Garland's anticipating this answer. So the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, not Ireland. So there is, in fact, a Starbucks cup in every scene of Fight Club. I looked it up today, and apparently it was something to do with the producers of Fight Club were doing something against Starbucks. I don't really quite remember. But the correct fact is that Starbucks, there is a Starbucks cup in every scene of Fight Club. Dang, Nolan! <laughs> Look at that! See, you almost answered it with the Scotland part about Loch Ness. Like, you almost had it without knowing it. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bryce, great job on the questions. Garland, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate your time here in the podcast. Go get them this week, bud. 